Shalom. My name is Adam, and I welcome you to the parable of the vineyard. Every day, Yahuwah is waking up a remnant, a group of people who are coming out of deceptions, realizing our walk is to consist of faith and obedience to His righteous commands. Each week, we read through and examine a portion of the Torah, allowing the Spirit of the Most High to guide, teach, and open our eyes and ears to the wondrous matters out of His law. Join us as we seek to be refined by His Word, preparing ourselves for the return of our King of Kings, being faithful and obedient, walking in His way, truth, and life. Shabbat Shalom and welcome back, brothers and sisters. Welcome to the Parable of the Vineyard YouTube live stream of our Torah portion reading. My name is Adam, your host, and I welcome you. This is week 25, Tzav, which means commands. And during this portion, we're going to be studying Leviticus 6, 8 through 8, 36. And we're going to talk about more about the, the offerings, um, but some of the other things that we didn't get to talk about last week, we're going to talk about this week as well. Uh, just a quick note. I don't know when you're going to be watching this. You could be watching this months or years in the, in the future. Um, however, we're getting ready for Pesach. Um, we're having our um, Pesach gathering next week. And um, so that's why this week, if you're wondering why we just have the Torah portion this week, it's because we need the extra time to prepare and organize for next week. So probably next week, we're also probably only going to have the Torah portion and uh, we'll resume with our Enoch study and other things as we get back from Pesach. So let's get started with prayer. Heavenly Father, Yahweh Most High, we come before you, bless you, and your son, Messiah Yahushua's name, and we thank you so much, Father, for doing all these things for us, for sending your son, for giving us your word in these last days, for showing us the goodness of your commands, Father, and we're just so thankful for all you do, and we just bless you in Yahushua's mighty name. Please bless this study. Amen and hallelujah. Let's go with a little shofar. All right, so here we are at Leviticus, uh, Vayikra 6, verse 8. And before we get into it, I didn't get a chance to talk about it last week, but we're going to talk about it this week, is the actual, you know, the name Vayikra. Um, we didn't really talk a whole lot about that. And I just want to show you the Hebrew word um, right here. Here's the Strong's for it. It's from the root kara, so Vayikara, which means as he, and he, and he called. Um so it's what's interesting is there's two almost identical words they're spelled the same kara and there's another way of spelling kara but they're two different words um the other kara so the one that we're this one right here that we're not talking about tonight is like an accidental uh encounter like an accidental meeting or a hostile meeting whereas this one uh this is being called to be to to call to call out uh to cry to proclaim uh, let's see, to summon or to invite, to call for, call and commission, appoint and call and endow, um, to be called, to be pro proclaimed, to be named. Uh, let's see, 
to call out properly, address by name. And so as we, if you didn't watch last week's Torah portion, um, we went through the five main offerings given, and those are the, um, well, we have the, the Ola, the total uh, whole burnt offering. We have the Mincha, which is the, the grain offering. We have the, um, the peace offering. We have uh, the two different types of uh, sin offerings, uh, the, the, the lesser and, and the more, um, the more serious type. So, but either way, what, what we did, what we discussed was the, how Messiah who should fulfilled all those, uh, and that we are also to walk in these type of offerings. So, you know, for example, the Ola, the Ola, the, the whole burnt offering, uh, just a complete dedication of one's self to Yahweh, just giving himself fully over um, and obviously we can see that in passages like Romans 12 where we're to offer ourselves as a living sacrifice unto Yahuwah and it's a reasonable service. But, um, you know, just the book of Vayikra, or the book of Leviticus in general is just really misunderstood, really kind of glossed over that it's just, um, you know, antiquated um, series of um, uh, offerings that the Levites did. But how much spiritual understanding we can gain from it now is immeasurable. And I have a feeling that Yah is going to reveal it to us more and more each year as we continue to study it. Um, but at the at the root of it is, again, drawing near to him, and he's called us to do so. He's called, and now with, with through the ministry of Messiah Yahushua and salvation given freely to all, he's called all who are wanting to come back to him in reconciliation through his son, and to be draw and to draw near, and this book tells us really how to do that. Of course, through His Son, who is our eternal High Priest in the heavens, He's also our King, He's our Savior, He's our Messiah, He's our Creator. There's so much, so much depth in Him. And this book, I believe, really helps us understand who He is and what He did for us truly. So, so uh, a couple other uses of this: um, to be bidden, to be called, called forth, to be famous, or a guest, to be invited. Right, so it just makes me think of this deep passage that many of us have dwelt on. For many are called, but few are chosen, or maybe even many hear the call, but most don't act on that call. It's like those that hear the words but don't do them is sort of, in my opinion, what this is very likened to. And I don't know about you, but in waking waking up to the truth, it was verses like this that really, really did something to me in my heart that was like, you know, well, I want to, I want to be chosen, you know, because pretty much everybody's called, right? Many are called, but if you are chosen, it's like, man, I really, I really want to be one of those few. So let me take hold of Messiah's words for real and, and see where this leads. And obviously for a, a large group and growing group of people like us, we've realized that, um, it's Messiah, it's salvation, and it's obedience. It's not one or the other. I was reading a book last night that I read maybe a year ago, kind of forgot completely about. It's called The Epistle of the Apostles. And um, and all throughout, it's, it's basically, it's got words of, it's a lot of the words from Messiah after he, um, after he resurrected and spoke with the disciples. And he was talking to him about, you know, if, you know, if I, I'm loosely quoting, but if one believes and doesn't keep my commandments, then his belief is like counted as nothing, you know, and it's just like, 
And that's really when you dig down deep into the parables, like when we look at John 3.16, but then we keep reading and we see how how he teaches Torah so clearly, but it's obscured for most eyes because many are called and few are chosen. So I have a feeling if you're watching this, um, that you are called and you want to be chosen and faithful, right? Those who are with him are called and faithful and chosen and chosen and faithful. Which that faithful, I believe, is the deciphering of who is chosen, who's not. Just like you know, when when Paul quotes, "We the just shall live by faith." Well, if you look at that Hebrew word, it's faithfulness. It denotes action. It's not just a "I believe" and go about our day. All right, enough prefacing. Let's get into it. So here we are, Book of Leviticus, chapter six, verse eight. Uh, and Yahweh spoke unto Moshe, saying, Command Ahron and his sons, saying, This is the Torah of the burnt offering. This is the Ola. It is the burnt offering because of the burning upon the altar all night unto the morning, and the fire of the altar shall be burning in it. So again, we talked a lot about this. If if you didn't catch last week's, I, I, I'm i just going to be honest. I think last week's Torah portion was probably one of the most important Torah portions that I feel like I've ever, I've ever done, conducted in the sense of drawing near to Yah, which a lot of us are doing so. A lot of us are, are heeding the call and we're like, okay, we get it. Like, we need to keep the commandments. Like, we want to do that. We want to draw near to Yah. Well, how do we do that, right? Uh, and I think with all the different topics out there and things that are catching people's attention, you know, like the wars that are going on and um, empty shelves and all these different topics, which... I mean, I'm not, I'm no mocker. It's, it's good to be awake and aware of what's going on, but what we really feed on and chew on and really study out, I think this is really kind of that, that, that next big thing, next big thing is just how to continue to draw closer to Yah. While the world continues to plunge into darkness and chaos and whatever, wherever else it's going, I don't know about you, instead of like caring so much about that, I want to focus on how I can draw closer and closer to him because I have a feeling, not a feeling, I I'm, I think we're all pretty aware of what the scripture says is those that are have drawn near to him already. It's going to go well for us when these things go down as opposed to the opposite. So again, the Ola, just not to retread it, but it's so important. I think the Ola is one of the most important ones that we can really walk in right now is to give ourselves fully for him. So the burnt offering, the Ola, is a full surrender of the worshiper symbolized uh, by the, the sacrifice given to Elohim, and it's fully burnt up, all of it's given. So it's not like 97% is burnt up and just a little bit you know, for the priest to eat. No, it's totally given, total consecration, totally given to, to Yah. Uh, to come before in fellowship with Yah, to draw close to Him. Uh, and just we read this last week, but just to remind you, James 4, 7 through 10, submit yourselves therefore to Elohim. And, you know, the word submit is really deep. We could probably have a study just on the word submit. But, you know, when we when we put away our lives that we lived and we start walking in his ways, right? That's submission to him. That takes humility. That takes meekness. It's a haughty spirit. It's a prideful spirit that says, you know, I don't have to do this. I don't have to do that. You know, um, you are, you, you, you're walking in your own righteousness. You're self-righteous. Um, like we've seen in many times when people are typically um, condemning others, 
they're typically projecting their own their own faults under their other people. So submit yourselves therefore to Elohim, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. So as we see, and it starts with the the uh, the ministry of Messiah, that at the beginning of his ministry, he's tempted, he's tested by the the, the devil. Right, and so for a lot of us, I think we realize if and, and if you're new, prepare yourselves because when you set yourself on this journey, it's his job to get you out of the way, to test you, to tempt you, to put things to to make your feet stumble and go out of the way. That's his job. You know, there's an interesting meme. I think I think 119 made it. It's like, you know, in times past, in times past, it was the devil's job to get people to transgress the commandment, but now, the doctrine has gone so far. Now, people think it's the devil's job to get you to keep the commandments. Like, it just doesn't make any sense. So, verse 8, draw nigh. So, that's what this book is all about. Draw nigh to Elohim. Draw close to him, and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be afflicted and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to heaviness. Humble yourselves in the sight of Elohim, of Yahuwah, and he will lift you up. So just keep that in mind. And again, if you want to learn more about this Ola, the whole burnt offering, man, go back to last week's study if you haven't seen it. it it's probably one of the most important ones that we can learn right now. Verse 10, uh, Leviticus 6, And the priest shall put on his linen garment, and his linen breeches shall he put upon his flesh, and take up the ashes which the fire has consumed with burnt offering on the altar, and he shall put them beside the altar. A little side note. <clears throat> <clears throat> there is growing movements within this movement and um, some people call it being linenites. <laughs> um, but wearing linen, I can tell you, is a blessing. And there's a reason that the priests wore linen and it's not just because it feels nice. There's something to it. <clears throat> Excuse me, sorry. But, uh, it, you know, a lot of people think, or a lot of people, some people think that wearing linen requires a lot of money on the contrary i think you can actually clothe yourself with linen for cheaper these days than you can uh plastic clothes which is you know polyester it's man-made uh, fa uh, fabrics but um those those of you that some, some of you may know out there but you can just go to the you know go to like goodwills and and thrift stores and you can find linen garments that were probably you know 50 100 bucks for like 50 cents a dollar two dollars it's literally cheaper uh, than than going out. It may you know may require a little looking around here and there, but I tell you, it's worth it. I've given away all my um, polyester and uh, now even cotton. I don't have a whole lot of sets of clothes. That's probably why you guys. See, I think I've said this before. That's probably why you see me wearing the same like five shirts rotated. But if you think that's gross, then hey, I don't know how many sets of clothes they had back in the day, but I know it wasn't as readily available. But <clears throat> I think this is kind of the process that Yah has got a lot of us going through is um, shedding a lot of the world. I think the world makes us think that we have to have a whole closet full of clothes and 50 pairs of shoes and, you know, everything matching. And I don't know. I can just tell you it's freeing, detaching myself from things like that. But the point I was trying to make is it feels really good. It feels it really it feels right to wear linen. There's just something about it. Um you know, there, there's some there's some research research that has been done. It's hard to back up the claims of the frequencies and things like that. But I can tell you, if you haven't looked into it, um, it's a blessing. You may not be as hip or as stylish as you once were with some of the other clothes, but hey. All right, <clears throat> kind of off subject. Sorry, but I just want to make mention of that. Um, Leviticus six eleven. 
We're going to read that through 13. And he shall put off his garments and put on other garments and carry forth the ashes without the camp unto a clean place. And the fire upon the altar shall be burning in it, shall not be put out. And the priest shall burn wood on it every morning and lay the burnt offering in order upon it. And he shall burn thereof the fat of the peace offerings. The fire shall ever be burning upon the altar. It shall never go out. And last week we made mention that the heart was likened to the altar, right? So if, if, well, I think, I believe that all of us combined, you know, creates, uh, forms the, the, the temple of Elohim. But individually, if the spirit does rest inside of us, which I believe it does, then we would be housing the, the Ruach of the Most High. So we ourselves are a temple. So there's a lot of interesting parts, um, you know, four horns of the altar, four chambers of the heart, the 24 elders around the throne, uh, the 24, you know, ribs of the rib cage. There's some interesting, probably maybe coincidences, but maybe not. I don't know. But <clears throat> if, the, if the heart is the altar, we've heard several phrases about... Um, the you know the the fire of the Torah being in our hearts. Uh, one of them, namely, I don't think I have it up here. Um, I think it's uh, Jeremiah five. Maybe is it fourteen? That's not gonna work. Jeremiah five. Uh, make my words in the fire. Oh no, it's another passage in Jeremiah. But basically, Jeremiah was was he was kind of like complaining to Yah in, the, in a sense, not really complaining, but kind of like just crying out casting his cares on Yah about how, you know, it'd be easier to just, like, not say anything. But his word is like a fire in his bones, like a fire inside of him. But it's just a symbol, you know, of just the fire. The Torah itself is symbolized by fire, just like we talked about many weeks ago about the candlestick and how the children of Israel had to bring the oil for the light to burn continually. The the, the Torah is symbolized by fire. We read about that in uh, Second Baruch. We read about it in Two Ezras. We read about it in... Um, where else? Many other places, I'm sure. It's uh, there's many passages about the the light of the Torah being being lit. Um, of course, we read that we were talking about this Leviticus 24:2. Command the children of Israel that they bring unto you pure olive oil beaten for the light to cause the lamps to burn continually, so that the the fire was supposed to be burning continually. <clears throat> and so, also, our praise, you know. So if the the altar was to be lit at all times, you know. If that fire does be lit to have that you know offering to be burnt continually, think about this: our offering should be continual. Hebrews thirteen thirteen through sixteen. Let us go forth therefore unto him without the camp, bearing his reproach. This is talking about Messiah. For we have no continuing city, kind of where we're at right now. We're dispersion everywhere. There's there's no city. Uh, the state of Israel out there, the political state of Israel, is is not what a lot of people think it is. Um, if you have a lot of questions on that, if you're new, if you're if if you've uh, been taught that we're supposed to like kind of like worship that land over there and the people that are over there. Uh, there's a playlist I would highly recommend uh, on our play on our channel. It's called um, go to the place. It's called the political state of Israel. Anyway, so we have no continuing city, but we seek one to come, New Jerusalem, by him, by Messiah. That are, therefore let us offer the sacrifice of praise to Elohim continually. So right, just as the fire shall ever be burning so shall the sacrifice of our lips be ever continually. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name, but to do good and to communicate, forget not, for with such sacrifices is Elohim well pleased. So this should be continually. And I don't know about, about you, it doesn't it doesn't have to be that official, and just in my opinion, if I'm wrong, um, yeah, please forgive me, uh, and you all please forgive me, but in my opinion, this continual praise doesn't always have to be the official you know, you're in your prayer closet and you're, you're, you know, just 
laying it all out before him. But what about like, you know, <clears throat> I don't know. It's just like, you ever just been like driving down the road and you're just like thankful for something he did? Or how about that someone that just cuts you off and almost like a near, like a near crazy accident just happened, but it didn't, you know, could you like give thanks to you? I mean, just there's so many like scenarios where it could be a constant praise. Uh, David in Psalm 119 said seven times a day he thanked him for his righteous uh, righteous uh, judgments, right rulings. So all I'm saying is that there's so much to be thankful for. And I think we take a lot of things for granted. I think people like us that are, are realizing, you know, the lies that this world has sold us that, you know, evolution of monkeys and stardust and big bangs and all that kind of stuff, we realize that, you know, the the circle of the earth, the firmament, that he sits above the circle of the earth, right? So he's like right there, you know, he's not like off in some far off distant galaxy, you know, light years away. No, he's right there, right? Like looking down, he's right there. But I think when you realize that and you really grasp that and you look around, it just, the things that people just pass by daily and just don't care. Uh, like, I mean, I was just, I didn't, I was just thinking to myself, I didn't give thanks to him. It's really windy here. Like really windy these last two days, but just even seeing the wind blowing the the trees and the grass and how like the grass was just like flowing. I don't know. It's just like every little detail is just amazing, and um, you know, let's give thanks to him right now individually. Let's take about ten seconds and let's just thank him for something. I don't know. Okay, whatever it is, let's let's offer this up together as a congregation. Even those of you that are watching this weeks or months or years later, let's pray individually and all the people said amen all right okay <clears throat> so let's uh let's keep going so the fire shall never go out. So the fire, the Torah, shall never go out of our heart. So the Ola, um, uh, here, yeah. So this is uh, so that was the Ola, and remember the the priests do not. <coughs> so sorry, <coughs> this doesn't happen until I get started. So the the Ola was not to be eaten by the priests whatsoever. It was totally. Um, is to is to be totally consumed um, by the fire and ascended up to Yah in a smoke offering. It's like I don't know. It just makes it like super personal. Like it's just you dedicating your whole life to Him. And remember from last week, it's totally voluntary. So it's totally voluntary for you to give up your life and to take on His. When I say take on His, take on His ways to live your life according to His pattern. <clears throat> Fourteen. So sorry. <clears throat> and this is the Torah of the meat offering. The sons of Aharon shall offer it before Yahuwah, before the altar. And he shall take of it his handful, the flour of the meat offering and the oil thereof, and all the frankincense which is upon the meat offering, and shall burn it upon the altar for a sweet savor, even the memorial of it unto Yahuwah. And so so here's, this is the grain offering again. The given a symbolization of offering to Yah, drawing near to Yah, and um, 
our dedication of our fellow uh, of our lives to our fellow man, and also a removal of uh, earthly cares. As we talked about last week, this stuff was extremely expensive. This was not cheap, and this was voluntary. But to bring this was not cheap. Let's talk about the oil. So the oil was required here. First Samuel sixteen thirteen. So Samuel took the horn of the oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers, and the spirit of Yahweh rushed upon David from that day forward. And Samuel set out and went to Ramah. So the oil can symbolize, of course, anointing. Um, it can symbolize um, the the ruach. Solomon, Song of Solomon one three. Your oils have a pleasing fragrance. Your name is like purified oil. Therefore, the young women love you. Kind of interesting little verse here when you think of the um, wise and the foolish virgins. But his, the oil can be likened to his name. Uh, Matthew 25, 1 through 3. Then the kingdom of heaven will be comparable to ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the groom. Five of them were foolish and five were prudent. For when the foolish took their lamps, they did not take extra oil with them. So um, just something to consider. But, um, you know, in general, you know, it's interesting that this offering included that oil. And some of Yah's people had oil, some didn't. Um, and when thinking about this this grain offering and our dedication to Yah and man, you got to wonder sometimes when you look around at the Torah community and how vicious some people can get when people have like their pet doctrines um, where it's like the calendar becomes more important than fellowship and love for one another. Um, and, and just so many of those topics. The calendar just seems to be the stinkiest one, in my opinion. Uh not that the calendar is not important because we've talked about the calendar, but are we building each other up or breaking each other down? Even when like when we correct each other, there's a way to do it. Like Messiah taught us in Matthew 18, you know, how to approach each other with love and humility and respect. Um, not trying to make a, a show of everybody in front of everybody. Always trying to put people on blast. But it's amazing, you know, seeing the Matthew 18 process work uh, 80, 90 percent of the time. When someone goes to another one-on-one, -on -one, it's handled. All the misconceptions, what they thought they knew, just was wrong. And everything's fine. And sometimes, you know, it needs to be elevated. And that's how, that's how it goes. But Messiah Yahushua shows us how to do it. And if we really love one another, we're not going to be quick to blast each other online or, um, you know, Facebook and comments. And that's, you know, that's not a love for each other. If you really loved your fellow person... You'd go to them one-on-one -on -one and be like, hey, I see an issue. And because I love you, I want to share these things with you. Some people are just quick to, you know, share people's sins with the whole congregation or the, the whole wide world, if you will. And that's not a, a love for each other. So I, it makes me think about the, the wise and the foolish virgins. You know, are some of Yah's people not really carrying the oil, even though they think they are by keeping the commands, yet they have no real love for one another i'm talking about real love and you know even peter talks about having patience with one another paul talks about you know dealing with each other in meekness and love and humility and there's a big lacking of that and as we draw close to the feast festival season for some of you um you may have already um started uh, doing that you may be in the in the midst of of it or it's or it's coming up or it's already passed but um it's a good time to take take account of our actions and how how we treat each other. And we should have this in mind when thinking about the mincha, the grain offering, uh, dedication to our fellow man and drawing nigh to, nigh to Yah. Because he says in many places, right, 
if uh, you know what, what does he say? And I think it's in John. How can you love? How can you say you love Elohim, uh, who you haven't seen, when your own brother who you've seen and you don't love him? Right? How can you do that? It's impossible. How can you draw near to Yah that way? And that's why Messiah says here, um, Matthew five twenty three through twenty four. Therefore, if you are presenting an offering at the altar, and there you remember that your brother has something against you. <clears throat> Leave your offering there before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother and then come and pre present your offering. So it's like, in, in short, he's basically saying if you want to draw near to Yah with your gift, your offering, but you've got issues with your brother, don't offer that offering. Yah's not going to accept it. Reconcile with your brother and then bring it. And really, that's what I, I think about with the, with the mincha offering, the grain offering, and our detachment from worldly cares and our desire to draw near to Yah and our devotion to our fellow man. So, you go, you can pray for hours before Yah, but you've got grievances against a brother or sister and it's unreconciled, go reconcile it first. That's what he wants us to do. All right, so we talked about the, so we, we know, uh, so we talked about the oil. Now, what about the frankincense? Matthew 2.11, when they, or this is the, the wise men or the whatever you want to call them. When they were coming to the house, they saw the young child with Mary his mother and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented unto him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. So frankincense and myrrh, uh, specifically frankincense. But it's interesting. Um, first Adam and Eve 31, verse 2 says, For I will come, this is Messiah talking to Adam, I will come and save you, and kings shall bring me when in the flesh gold and Incense, which is frankincense, and myrrh. Gold is a token of my kingdom. Incense is a token of my divinity. And myrrh is a token of my suffering and my death. But the, So the, the frankincense is a token of Messiah's divinity. So it's interesting that when we're giving this, this offering, that you know Messiah says to pray to, to the Father in his name. And when we do so, I believe that we're signifying or acknowledging his divinity, acknowledging... Um, him as our high priest, as uh, our authority, our king, our master, uh, whatever you call it. So, and his divinity that uh, he was, he's our creator too, right? It says that all things were created through the word. I believe that through the father and through his son, all things were created. So, uh, confessing, acknowledging his divinity, right? So, we got the oil, we got the frankincense in this offering. Just some interesting things to take of note. Oh, did I have anything else? Oh yeah, Revelation 5, 8, and when he had taken the book, the four beasts and the four and twenty elders fell down before the Lamb, having every one of them harps and golden vials full of odors, which are the prayers of saints. Odors can be incense. Revelation 8, 3 through 4, another angel came and stood at the altar, having a golden censer, and there was given unto him much incense. They shall offer it with the prayers of all saints upon the golden altar, which was before the throne. So it's almost like this offering uh, symbolizes, this This frankincense symbolizes the prayers offered to Yah through our Messiah, Yahushua. Just something to consider. And the smoke of the incense, which came with the prayers of the saints, ascended up before Elohim out of the angel's hand. <coughs> Sorry. Okay, so back to Leviticus 6. Okay, verse 15, or verse 14, 14, 15. And he shall take of his handful, this is the, the meat offering, the grain offering, of the flour, the meat offering, the oil thereof, the frankincense, which is upon the 
grain offering, and shall burn it upon the altar for a sweet savor, even the memorial of it unto Yahuwah. And the remainder thereof shall Ahron and his sons eat. With matzah, unleavened bread, shall it be eaten in the holy place in the court of the tabernacle of the assembly. They shall eat it. So the whole burnt offering, the priest didn't eat, but the grain offering, the priest did eat. So, you know, we know that these sacrifices are uh, still being done in the heavens by our Messiah, right? The sacrifice for sin is done, but there's still free will offerings, uh, whole burnt offerings, uh, in the spiritual sense, because Peter says that we are um, living stones built of a, a spiritual house, uh, and we are priests to offer up spiritual sacrifices. I totally butchered that verse, but you know what I'm talking about, I'm pretty sure. So we're still offering these offerings, and Messiah Yahushua is uh, partaking of these. And so the priest, which is our Messiah, would eat of these. So it's interesting that he also says, tying, tying back what we were saying earlier, that prayers to be done in his name. And we kind of get a sense of an understanding why in his name Number one, he's the high priest, uh, and uh, he's the one that's partaking of these offerings with us. So, um, verse 17, It shall not be bacon with leaven. I have given it unto them for their portion of my offerings made by fire. It is most holy, set apart. It is as is the sin offering and as is the trespass offering. So this is totally set apart. These offerings are totally set apart. And why no leaven? Well, these offerings given up to Yah should not be done so with the doctrine of men. How Matthew 16, 11-12 How is it that you do not understand that I did not speak to you about bread, but beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees? Then they understood that he did not say beware of the leaven of bread, but of the teaching of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. So we can look at these offerings. We're not supposed to have leaven. Leaven can be likened to sin, uh, as, as you know some said, but really... I think the root of you know Messiah really unveiled this parable of what leaven really is. Um, what it can symbolize is doctrines of men. Now, not all leaven is bad because we see the parable of the kingdom where uh, the kingdom of heaven is likened unto a woman who had um, you know the leaven and put it and it permeated the different you know. So I'm butchering that one too, but you know what I'm talking about. There's a parable about leaven and how it it permeates um, the different loaves. So, but Leaven could be likened to doctrine. So there's good leaven, there's bad leaven. But nevertheless, uh, if we're looking at these sacrifices, there should be no leaven whatsoever, uh, no doctrine of men whatsoever. And that's what, you know, a really unfortunate part is that's really lacking in the Christian community. When I say Christian community, uh, I'm talking about modern-day Christianity. Because um, unfortunately, their offerings, they give many offerings and praises uh, even though I didn't grow up in church, I've been to several church services. I, I, I see what goes on in there. And they give many offerings and a lot, of, a lot of nice songs and a lot of prayers and a lot of things. But if they're done in an improper way and with the, the leaven of men, the, the teachings of men, is that a sacrifice that Abba is, is accepting? Well, I'd say no. But it's not for me. I'm not the judge. I can only, can only go off of what the, the word says. Verse 18, All the males among the children of Aharon shall eat of it. It shall be a statute forever in your generations. So it's not like, well, if they want to eat it, they can. They have to eat of it. Which, honestly, with the best flour, the best oil, the best frankincense, and the best meat that came their way, they ate good. They ate really good. It shall be a statute forever in your generations concerning the offerings of Yahuwah made by fire. Everyone that touches them 
shall be set apart. So they touch these uh, offerings, they shall be set apart. So this is the, um, <clears throat> and this is part of the um, uh, whole burnt. Uh, this is the, uh, I'm sorry. I'm talking about eating some of the offering. Especially, we'll talk about the sin offerings here in a bit, but especially think about Messiah consuming the offering. Think about <clears throat> maybe the spiritual significance of why the priests ate the offerings. <clears throat> so sorry. 2 Corinthians 5, 16-21 Therefore, from now on, we recognize no one by the flesh, even though we have known Messiah by the flesh. Yet now we know him in this way no longer. Therefore, if anyone is a Messiah, this person is a new creation. The old things passed away. Behold, the new things have come. Now all those things are from Elohim, who reconciled us to himself through Messiah and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Namely, that Elohim was in Messiah, reconciling the world to himself, not counting their wrongdoings against them. He has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Messiah, as though Elohim were making an appeal through us. We beg you on behalf of Messiah to be reconciled to Elohim. He made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf, so that we might become the righteousness of Elohim in him. So, it's like, <clears throat> it's like he consumed that sin for us. And it isn't saying that Messiah became a sinful person to take our place, but that he basically... He consumed our sin. So when we're talking about the, why these priests would eat the sin offering, you think of yourself, well, it's a sin offering. That's like, that's bad. Well, if the offering is holy and something holy is offered to counteract something that is unholy or something that was done that was unholy, right? That offering itself is set apart. It's a good thing. It's a good thing to be offering that in, in reconciliation for transgressions. Just like if we're to be in repentance, on our knees, on our faces, asking for forgiveness for our wrongdoings, right? It says our Messiah, Messiah will be uh, reconciling that for us. He will uh, be doing that for us. Let's see, do I have... Um, yeah, we'll read about that at the end. We're going to read a little passage from Isaiah 53 about Messiah, Yahushua, uh, eating that for us or taking it for us. All right. Verse 19, and Yahweh spoke unto Moshe, saying, This is the offering of, of Ahron and his son. So the priests receive an offering, and then the priests would also an offering. So this isn't specifically talking about tithes, but it's interesting that whatever came in, whether it was tithes or offerings, the priests would offer a tenth of those things. So they, they tithed the tithe, or they tithed the offering. This is the offering of Ahron and his sons, which they shall offer unto Yahweh in the day when he is anointed. The tenth part of an ephah of fine flour offering perpetual, half in the morning, half at night. And then this is not this this particularly is not talking about the tenth. This is just talking about a tenth of an ephah of fine flour. This is not talking about a tenth of the the total uh, tithes coming in. But it's interesting that they would also give an offering of the offering in a pan. <clears throat> it shall be made with oil, and when it is bacon, you shall bring it in, and the bacon pieces of the meat offering shall you offer for a sweet savor unto Yahuwah. And the priest and his sons that is anointed in his stead shall offer it. It is a statute forever unto Yahuwah. It shall be wholly burnt. For every meat offering or grain offering for the priest shall be wholly burnt. It shall not be eaten. So, <clears throat> so 
the grain offerings given by the people, part of it was burnt, part of it was eaten by the priests. The priests would offer, also offer a grain offering, but that would be totally burnt and given up to Yahuwah. And Yahuwah spoke unto Moshe, saying, Speak unto El Ahron and to his son, saying, This is the Torah of the sin offering. In a place where the burnt offering is killed, shall the sin offering be killed before Yahuwah. It is most set apart. The priest that offers it for sin shall eat it. In the holy place shall it be eaten, in the court of the tabernacle of the assembly. Whatsoever shall touch the flesh thereof shall be holy. And when there is sprinkled of the blood thereof upon any garment, you shall wash that whereon it was sprinkled in the holy place. Which, by the way, I learned last week from a sister at a congregation, local congregation. I was thinking to myself, I was like, they've got these white robes, and there's blood getting splattered all over them. How did they ever do? Because I got, I wear linen. And I'm like, I have like a little speck of coffee, and it ain't coming out for anything. Vinegar, she said, vinegar would get out the blood. So interesting little note. I learned something new last week. But the earthen vessel wherein it is sodden shall be broken, and if earthen vessel will be like clay, right, pottery, and if it be sodden in a brazen pot, it shall be both scoured and rinsed in water. All the males among the priests shall eat thereof. It is most set apart. And no sin offering whereof any of the blood is brought into the tabernacle of the assembly to reconcile with all in the holy place shall be eaten. It shall be burnt in the fire. Just like Messiah Yahushua was an offering for sin, and he was fully consumed. We talked about this when we talked about the Passover lamb, um, I guess months ago now. And we talked about why the remnant of the lamb, which was not eaten, had to be burnt up completely. You know, it's because Messiah Yahushua, when he was buried... His body was completely gone. It was completely, uh, completely, uh, well, he ascended, of course. Just like an offering would be whole, or offering and ascending up to Yah. Uh, he fulfilled that in that portion. So thinking about, of course, Messiah being the sin offering, um, right? Anyways, <clears throat> it shall be burnt in the fire. So that's talking about the, talking about the blood. All right, chapter 7. Um, all right. Chapter 7. Likewise, this is the Torah of the trespass offering. It is most set apart. In the place where they shall kill the burnt offering, shall they kill the trespass offering, and the blood thereof shall he sprinkle round about upon the altar. And he shall offer of it all the fat thereof, the rump, and the fat that covers the inwards, and the two kidneys, and the fat that is on them, which is by the flanks, and the call that is above the liver, with the kidneys, it shall he take away. And the priest shall burn them upon the altar for an offering made by fire unto Yahuwah. It is a trespass offering. Every male among the priests shall eat thereof. It shall be eaten in the holy place. It is most holy. Set apart. As the sin offering is, so is the trespass offering. There is one Torah for them. The priest that makes atonement therewith shall have it. And the priest that offers any man's burnt offering, even the priest shall have to himself the skin of the burnt offering which he has offered. And all the meat offering that is baking in the oven, and all that is dressed in the frying pan, and in the pan shall be the priest that offers it. And every meat offering, mingled with oil and dry, shall all the sons of Aharon have, as one as much as another. And this is the Torah of the sacrifice of peace offerings, which he shall offer unto Yahuwah. And this is another really important one, because we know that Messiah Yahushua took away our the sins and the sin offerings. However, we talked about last week how that if we mess up, you know, we still come before him in total... Um, repentance asking for forgiveness of our sins but thinking about really the ones that we can really do on a daily basis is the whole burnt offering um 
the mincha, the grain offering, and the the, the peace and the thanksgiving offering. <clears throat> I mean, we should not cease to give thanks and to want to have peace and thanksgiving with Yahuwah. If he offer it for a thanksgiving, then he shall offer it with the sacrifice of the thanksgiving matzah, unleavened cakes, and mingled with oil, and matzah wafers anointed with oil, and cakes mingled with oil, of fine flour fried. Beside the cakes, he shall offer for his offering chametz, leavened bread with a sacrifice of thanksgiving of his peace offerings. And of it, he shall offer one out of the whole oblation for a heave offering unto Yahuwah, and it shall be the priest that sprinkles the blood of the peace offerings. Now listen to this. And the flesh of the sacrifice of his peace offerings for thanksgiving shall be eaten the same day that is offered. He shall not leave of, it, of any of it until the morning. And this is kind of interesting because um, we're so far removed from this kind of culture that it's like for like for example, we've got um, they say like a whole like a whole lamb can feed up to fifty people, right? So think about when you're if you're offering like a bull uh, or um, well, this is not a good example, but like you know one if if you're offering one of these offerings here, you know there's a lot of meat on these animals, and you think to yourself, you're thinking to yourself, you know, you sacrifice it, the priests get their portion, that's it. But no, it's actually like a meal, and I'll give you an example here. Uh, first of all, <clears throat> Deuteronomy 12, 11 through 12, Then it shall come about at that place which Yahuwah your Elohim will choose for his name to dwell. There you shall bring everything that I command you, your burnt offerings and your sacrifices, your tithes and the contribution of your hand, and all your choice vowed offerings which you will vow to Yahuwah. Now listen, this is this, and you shall rejoice before Yahweh Elohim, you and your sons, your male and your female slaves, and the Levite who is within your gates, since he has no portion or inheritance with you. So, you actually, when you do these like these peace offerings, Thanksgiving offerings, you actually invite your friends and family to this meal. It's like a big meal. It's like a, like a celebration. Um, we can see that here, First Samuel twenty verse six. If your father misses me at all, this is David talking to Jonathan. Then say, David earnestly requested leave of me to run to Bethlehem, his city, because it is the yearly sacrifice there for the whole family. Right? It's like a, it was like a, it was like a big deal. It, it, you know, if you bring one of your 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 flocks to offer, it's a big deal. There's a lot of money. There's a lot of worth. That's a lot of meat. They'd have a big meal. They'd have a celebration. I mean, think about it. You're you're willingly offering this peace, this offering. The peace offering is to to have peace and fellowship with Yah and to give thanks and to praise him, right? And have peace with him. You bring your whole family. That'd be that would pretty be a pretty cool event there. Also, you know, it, it encouraged because it had to be eaten in one day. Um you shall rejoice with your sons, your daughters, your male and female slaves, you know, even the poor. Because you know that that meat had to be burnt up. It gave a good excuse to bring the poor. Like, hey, come on. Hey, anyone, anyone, come to the sacrifice. You know, and um, I think maybe all of us could probably do a better job. Messiah said, when you have a, a feast... Because you know it, it's a meal. Some a lot of, like a lot of these like the, these sacrifices. It's like a meal. You have a, you know maybe a lot of us can probably do a better job. Messiah says when you have a, a feast, invite those that are not able to repay you, like the poor, the maimed, the blind. Just something to consider. Something for all of us to consider.
talking to myself too. So it was a it was a big event. Verse 16, but if the sacrifice of his offering be a vow or a voluntary offering, it shall be eaten the same day that he offers the sacrifice. And on the morrow, also the remainder of it shall be eaten. So if it's a vow, right, or a voluntary offering, you can have two days to eat it. But the remainder of the flesh of the sacrifice on the third day shall be burnt with fire. Honestly, in those days, without refrigeration, unless they like, you know, they could they could have salted meat to, to preserve it. But in, you know, in this way, having a feast, I don't know if any of us would want to eat that meat on the third day anyways. Reminds me of Messiah Husha, right? On the third day, he shall rise again. Anyways. 7.18, and, and if any of the flesh of the sacrifice of his peace offerings be eaten at all on the third day, it shall not be accepted, neither shall it be imputed unto him that offers it. It shall be an abomination, and the soul that eats it of it shall bear his iniquity. So we now have something, a uh, free will offering, voluntary offering, um, you know, for a vow or for whatever, that is most set apart and Yahweh loves but if you disobey one of this specific commandment, it goes from being holy to an abomination. And that's what happens when we try to do things without uh, or are contrary to his directions on how they're done. So we should be very careful to worship him the way he wants it done. Going back to uh, how the people and you know, the Pharisees wanted to draw nigh to Yahweh by their own ways, just like people are doing it today. Right, Matthew 15, Then some of the Pharisees and scribes came to Yahushua from Jerusalem and said, Why did your disciples break the traditions of the elders? For they washed not their hands when they eat bread. So they thought that cleaning their hands would make them more set apart and draw nigh to Yah. And he answered and said to them, Why do yourselves also break the commandment of Elohim for the sake of your tradition? For Elohim said, Honor your father and mother, which honoring them is a broad subject, which would include when they get older, and if you're financially able to take care of them. And the one who speaks evil of father or mother is to be put to death. But you say, whoever says to his father or mother, whatever I have financially that would help you has been given to Elohim as a gift, right? He is not to honor his mother and father. And by this, you have inv invalidated the word of Elohim for the sake of your tradition. It's right. So they had a thing where it's like, you know, if you give to the, the temple instead of taking care of your parents, you're good. Well, they, Messiah is saying you've nullified the commandment of Elohim to honor your father and mother, especially in their old age when they're not able to take care of themselves anymore. You hypocrites, rightly did Isaiah prophesy about you by saying, this people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far away from me. And in vain they do worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. So even if we think we're doing the right thing, if we're doing it contrary to his specific instructions, then he doesn't want it. And that's why it's like like Passover and like looking at the Passover, there's a lot of people celebrating the Passover, but unfortunately a lot of people are caught up in Jewish traditions that are doing like the Seder plate. That are eating things on Passover that are, you know, that are not commanded. As a matter of fact, you know, growing up in Judaism, I remember I'd always look at that bone that was on the plate, that you know, the lamb bone, and be like, like, why aren't we having any of the meat? Why is it just a bone sitting there? Wherein it says we're commanded, or it says that we're supposed to eat the lamb, you know, to eat it. Um, and there's an egg instead, and there's like, all, all I'm saying is like, things like that. Like, he commanded us exactly what to eat. He said to eat lamb, unleavened bread, and bitter herbs. Now, of course, how you have those bitter herbs, I'm sure that's a wide, you know, range of topics, and how you bake that bread, whatever. But 
I think that's the simple difference of doing the feast day the way he commanded it versus how traditions of men. So I'm not judging anyone out there if you still do it via, uh, you know, Jewish uh, Seder plate, but it's something to take into consideration. Are we doing this offering or the, the honoring the, the Passover the way we want to or the way the traditions have passed down, or are we doing it the way he commanded us to do it? Just something to consider, just some things to consider. Because I don't know about you, I do not want to worship him in vain, right? In vain they do worship me. Who wants to worship him in vain? Nobody. So let's do it by he's, I'd do it. So he says, in vain they worship for me, teaching his doctrines, the commandments of men. Nobody wants to be caught doing that. At least hopefully not. All right, verse 19. And the flesh that touches any unclean thing shall not be eaten. It shall be burnt with fire. And as for the flesh, all the clean, all that be clean shall eat thereof. But the soul that eats of the flesh of the sacrifice of the peace offerings that pertain unto Yahuwah, having his uncleanness upon him, even that soul shall be cut off from his people. Moreover, the soul that touch any unclean thing as the uncleanness of a man or the uncleanness of beast or any abominable unclean thing and eat the flesh of the sacrifice of the peace offerings which pertain unto Yahuwah, even that soul shall be cut off from his people. And here you can see that it wasn't just the offer. It was other people that he would invite to this uh, meal. If they're unclean for any reason and they eat of that, that's like super bad news. So you had to make sure you're clean before you went to the, one of these meals, one of these uh, these um, feasts, if you will. But you know, being think about being unclean and cannot take part of the holy things, you know, and thinking about things like you know he is set up, he's holy, so therefore we should be holy. He's set apart, we should be set apart. You know, the unclean are not to take apart take part in anything that is set apart. The unclean is not to take part in anything that is set apart. So an unclean or profane person, one that has not been cleaned, right? It's not to it should not be take part in certain things. Or if they do, it's not recognized by Yahuwah. That's why he says like um, those that turn their ear away from hearing the law, even their prayer is an abomination unto Yahuwah. So may, though they may think they're doing the right thing, they're praying unto Yah. It's like he's an abomination. That's why he said, like in in Isaiah, he's like your 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 feasts, your new moons, uh, they're abomination unto me, right? They're uncleanness unto me, right? Because of their wicked, unclean hearts. So, think about this. Think about what's what's clean, what's set apart. His Shabbat, his feast days, things like that. First John one five through nine. This is the message we have heard from him and announced to you that Elohim is light. And in him there is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him, right, which is what some of these offer, offerings are about, is to have fellowship with him, and yet walk in darkness, which is the, right, we know the Torah is light, and the darkness is the opposite of the light, which is anti-Torah. We're not walking in Torah. So if we say that we have fellowship with him and yet walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light, the Torah, as he himself is in the Torah, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Messiah Yahusha, his son, cleanses us from all sin. So there's like a prerequisite. There's a prerequisite. And this is exactly what he teaches in John chapter 3, our Messiah himself from his own mouth. This is one of his closest disciples, John. If we say that we have no sin, we are deceiving ourselves in the truth. The Torah is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous so that he will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all un righteousness so in this book we're going to read a lot about being clean unclean how are we made clean by messiah himself as brother alan horath would our dear brother would say being washed by and growing in his word it's a daily thing 
being washed by his word is a daily thing. It's not a one-time deal. We have to daily, it says daily, take up your cross and follow me. Deny yourself. And think about this. Think about how the unclean person could not partake of what was set apart. Think about this. Again, think about Shabbat, feast days, new moons, whatever. Whatever it is we're trying to do to walk in, in toward our offerings to him. If it's not done by and through the purified teachings of Messiah Yahusha or even in belief in him, it's not accepted. John 15, 1 through 6. I am the true vine and my father is the husband. And every branch in me that bears not fruit, he takes away. Right? So every branch in me that bears not fruit, he takes away. We know what the fruit is. Psalm 1, 1 through 3. Galatians 5. 22 through 23, 4. And every branch that bears fruit, he purges, that it may bring forth more fruit. Now you are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Abide in me, so live in me. And who is he? He is the way, the truth, and life. He's the Torah. And I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine, no more can you, except you abide in me. So basically he's saying, you can't bear the right fruit that Abba wants to gather from you unless you abide in me. Messiah, Yahushua. So unless we do it through him, it's not acceptable. It's not accepted. It's not. I am the vine, you are the branches. He that abides in me or lives in me and I in him, the same brings forth much fruit. For without me you can do nothing. If a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch and is withered and men gather them and cast them into the fire and they are burned. So something to consider about taking part of something that is holy without him. So people think that they can walk away from Messiah and just keep Torah on their own. They're fooling themselves. Even if they attempt to do it perfectly, it's not acceptable. Yahweh doesn't, Yahweh doesn't want it. Leviticus 7.22, And Yahweh spoke unto Moshe, saying, Speak unto the children of Yashorel, saying, Ye shall eat no manner of fat of ox or sheep or of goat. And the fat of the beast that dies of itself and the fat of that which is torn by beast may be used in any other use, so he can use it. But you shall not in no wise eat of it. For whosoever eats the fat of beasts, of which men offer an offering made by fire unto Yahweh, even the soul that eats it shall be cut off from his people. To be cut off was to be sent out of the camp, which might as well be good as dead. So there's a lot of discussion about visceral fat or what kind of fat is this? Because some people take it so literally that you can't have, you know, like ground, you know, ground beef. Um, or even a steak that has a little bit of, you know, fat in it. Personally, uh, I don't really eat steak anymore, but when I used to eat steak, I'd, I'd cut around. I didn't, I don't like eating meat. I don't like gristle. It's just like, uh, to me personally, some people love it. Uh, like my grandfather, I mean, he was just like, you know, he'd always get mine off my plate. He's like, give me, um, but there's some discussions out there and, you know, I'm no expert on this, but just in the research that I've done that, there's a difference between visceral fat. Visceral fat is the fat that covers like the covers like the organs uh, and things like that. Uh, maybe even the fat around the belly, but the fat that's like mixed in with the meat. I don't believe that's the fat he's talking about personally. Um, again, a lot of think a lot of you know I'm not a huge meat eater, anyways. But um, those of you that do eat a lot of meat, I, I you know I'm not the boss, but just my opinion. Again, if we're just sitting around in my living room, I'd be like, hey, you know, I think. The scripture is talking about the visceral fat, the fat around the belly, 
just a straight layer of fat. That's what it's talking about. It's not talking about the fat that's mixed in with the meat itself. So just my opinion. Um, you obviously you take it to Yah because you are the uh, you are the the priests of your home. I am not. Leviticus seven twenty six. Moreover, you shall eat no manner of blood, whether it be of fowl or of beast, in any of your dwellings. Whatsoever soul it be that eats any manner of blood, even that soul shall be cut off from his people. And yeah, and we've we're gonna talk more about this when we get a little deeper in probably Leviticus seventeen about the blood, about the life being in the blood. And Yahweh spoke unto Moshe, saying, Speak unto the children of Yashrael, saying that he that offers the sacrifice of his peace offerings unto Yahweh shall bring his oblation, his gift unto Yahweh of the sacrifice of his peace offerings. His own own hands shall bring the offerings of Yahweh made by fire. The fat with the breast it shall he bring, that with the breast may be waved for a wave offering before Yahweh. And the priest shall burn the fat upon the altar, but the breast shall be Aharon's and his sons. And the right shoulder shall ye give unto the priest for a heave offering of the sacrifices of your peace offerings. He among the sons of Aharon that offers the blood of the peace offerings and the fat shall have the right shoulder for his part. Again, these priests ate by these gifts, these voluntary gifts, and even the um, commanded sin offerings. That's how they ate, right? For the, the wave breast and the, wave, the heave shoulder have I taken of the children of Yashrael from off the sacrifice of their peace offerings and have given them unto Aharon the priest and unto his sons by a statute forever from among the children of Yashrael. This is the portion of the anointing of, of Aharon and of the anointing of his sons out of the offerings of Yahweh made by fire in the day when he presented them to minister to Yahweh in the priest's office, which Yahweh commanded to be given to them, right, to so the priests and the Levites, the children of Yashrael, in the day that he anointed them by a statute forever throughout their generation. So why do you think Yahweh wanted to keep the priests and the Levites fed continually? Well, the priests had many jobs. The the, the temple maintenance, um, the offerings, the teaching of the Torah. Um, you know, they had many tasks to do um, with the children of Israel. We'll learn a little bit later on when they have to, you know, cleanse leprosy, check, inspect the homes, all kinds of things. This is basically their full-time job, right? And so even though we'll, we'll, we'll see later on in Numbers that they're given, you know, like plots of land for cattle and stuff, um, you know, I, I, I would imagine that they had, you know, servants to tend to those things. But uh, there's an interesting passage in Sirach. Sirach 38, 24 through 25. The wisdom of the scribe depends on the opportunity of leisure. So basically, the freedom to be able to basically search their word out, to search and to teach the word. The scribe, we, we get a, we really get a, we get a bad taste in our mouth about the word scribe because Messiah is constantly re rebuking the, the, the Pharisees and the scribes. But, you know, a good scribe is a good scribe. The, the good scribe would be, of course, in charge of recording, uh, but also the teaching. The scribes were teachers as well. So... Yahweh kept the priests, the Levites, uh, fed so that they were sustained by these the, the meat offerings, by the grain offerings, the tithes, everything, so that they didn't have to worry about how they were going to sustain themselves and their family. Because we'll learn a little bit later, their families ate of these things too. And he who has little business may become wise. How can he become wise who handles the plow and who glories in the shaft of the goad, who drives the oxen and is occupied with their work and whose talk is about bulls? And we learn a little bit later that Sirach's not speaking ill about people who are farmers and, and cattle raisers and uh, carpenters and smiths. These are all necessary for a community to thrive. This just kind of exemplifies or expounds on the duty of the teachers, the, the priests, that 
they didn't have to be occupied with um, animal husbandry and and uh, laborious work and things like that because um, the opportunity of leisure and that's what Abba provided through these offerings and tithes and things like that. Um, so verse 37, this is the Torah of the burnt offering, of the meat offering, and the sin offering, and the trespass offering, and of the consecrations, and of the sacrifice of the peace offerings, which Yahweh commanded Moshe in Mount Sinai in the day that he commanded the children of Yisrael to offer their oblations unto Yahweh in the wilderness of Sinai. Okay, uh, last chapter. We're going to read chapter 8, and I've just got a little uh, notation here, a little bit of the Targums to read, and we will finish up uh, this week's Torah portion. Yahweh spoke unto Moshe, saying, Take Achron and his sons with him, and the garments, and the anointing oil, and a bullock for the sin offering, and the two rams, and a basket of matzah, unleavened bread, and gather all the assembly together unto the door of the tabernacle of the assembly. And Moshe did as Yahweh commanded him, and the assembly was gathered together unto the door of the tabernacle of the assembly. And Moshe said unto the assembly, This is the thing which Yahweh commanded to be done. And Moshe brought Achron and his sons, and washed them with water. And he put upon him the coat, and girded him with the belt, and clothed him with the robe, and put the ephod upon him, and he girded him with the belt of the ephod, and bound it unto him therewith. And he put the breastplate upon him. Also he put in the breastplate the urim and the tumim, and he put the turban upon his head. So all the things that we read about in the last couple of weeks, now it's like hap actually happening. And also the turban, even upon his forefront, did he put the golden plate, the holy crown, as Yahweh commanded Moshe. And Moshe took of the anointing oil, and he anointed the tabernacle, and all that was therein, and sanctified them. And he sprinkled thereof upon the altar seven times, and anointed the altar and all his vessels, both the laver and his foot, to sanctify them. And he poured of the anointing oil upon Aharon's head, and anointed him to sanctify him. And Moshe brought Aharon, brought Aharon's sons, and put coats upon them, and girded them with belts, and put bonnets upon them, as Yahweh commanded Moshe. And he brought the bullock for the sin offering, and Aharon and his sons laid their hands upon the head of the bullock for the sin offering. And he slew it, and Moshe took the blood, and put it upon the horns of the altar round about with his finger, and purified the altar, and poured the blood at the bottom of the altar, and sanctified it to make reconciliation upon it. And he took all the fat that was upon the inwards, and the collab of the liver, and the two kidneys, and their fat, and Moshe burned it, burned it upon the altar. But the bullock, and his hide, and his flesh, and his dung, he burnt with fire without the camp, as Yahweh commanded Moshe. And he brought the ram for the burnt offering, and Aharon and his sons laid their hands upon the head of the ram. And he killed it, and Moshe sprinkled the blood upon the altar round about. And he cut the ram into pieces, and Moshe burnt the head, and the pieces, and the fat. And he washed their inwards and their legs in water, and Moshe burnt the whole ram upon the altar. It was a burnt sacrifice for a sweet savor, an offering made by fire unto Yahuwah, as Yahuwah commanded Moshe. What's really interesting, we didn't really talk about this last week, but it's interesting that a ram would be in the place of a man. We learned that last week about um, the really only good example we have, which was Abraham and Yitzchak, and Yitzchak was um, replaced with a ram. And a little bit later on, we learn, we'll learn about the values of men. Um, I think a, a man aged 20 to 60 is valued at 50 shekels, and that uh, one of these ram imperfections were valued equal at 50 shekels. So, so it was like a mere replacement as far as value. Um, just a little kind of interesting little side note. We might talk about that a little bit more when we get into the values. And he brought the other ram, the ram of consecration, and Aharon and his sons laid their hands upon the head of the ram. And he slew it, and Moshe took of the blood of it, and put it upon the tip of Aharon's right ear, and upon the thumb of his right hand, and upon the great toe of his right foot. And he brought Aharon's sons, and Moshe 
put of the blood upon the tip of their right ear, upon the thumbs of the right hands, and the great toes of the right feet. So we talked about this before as well back in Exodus that just to think, you know, we hear the Torah, we do the Torah, and then we walk in the Torah. So ear, hand, and foot, just something to consider. And Moshe sprinkled the blood upon the altar round about. And he took the fat and the rump and all the fat that was upon the inwards and all the column of the liver and the two kidneys and their fat and their right shoulder. And out of the basket of matzah, what, that was before Yahweh, he took one matzah cake and a cake of oiled bread and one wafer and put them on the fat and upon the right shoulder. And he put upon all Ahron's hand and upon his son's hand and waved them for a wave offering before Yahuwah. And Moshe took them from their their hands and burnt them on the altar of the burnt offering. They were consecrations for a sweet savor. It is an offering made by fire unto Yahuwah. And Moshe took of the breast and waved it for a wave offering before Yahuwah. For of the ram of consecration it was Moshe's part as Yahuwah commanded Moshe. And Moshe took of the oil, anointing oil and of the blood which is upon the altar and sprinkled it upon Aharon and his garments and upon his sons and upon his sons' garments with him and sanctified Aharon and his garments and his sons and his sons' garment with, with him. And Moshe said unto Aharon to his sons, Boil the flesh at the door of the tabernacle of the assembly and there eat it with the bread that is in the basket of the consecrations as I commanded, saying, Aharon and his sons shall eat it. And that which remains of the flesh and of the bread shall ye burn with fire. And you shall not go out of the door of the tabernacle of the assembly in seven days until the days of your consecration be at an end. For seven days shall he consecrate you as he has done this day. So Yahweh has commanded to do to make an atonement for you. Therefore shall you abide at the door of the tabernacle of the assembly day and night, seven days, and guard the watch of Yahweh that you die not. For so I commanded. So Aharon and his sons did all the things which Yahweh commanded by the hand of Moshe. I want to read uh, a passage from... Isaiah 53 uh, from the Aramaic, verses 11 through 13. Thinking about the sin offering and thinking about the, the, how the priest ate the sin offering and really think about how Messiah ate and took our sin for us. Verse 11, And it was the pleasure of Yahuwah to refine and to purify the remnant of his people in order to cleanse their souls from sin. They might see the kingdom of their Messiah, that, that their sons and their daughters might multiply and prolong their days. And those that keep the Torah of Yahuwah shall prosper through his pleasure. He... Messiah shall deliver their souls from the servitude of the nations. They shall see the vengeance upon their enemies. They shall be satisfied with the spoil of their kings. By his wisdom, Messiah, he shall justify the righteous in order to make many to keep the Torah. And he shall pray for their sins, right? Like a high priest would. Therefore, I will divide him to him the spoil of many people and the treasures of strong fortifications. He shall divide the spoil because he has delivered his life unto death and he shall make the rebellious to keep the Torah and he shall pray for the sins of many and as for the transgressions, each shall be pardoned for his sake. Praise be to Yahuwah through Messiah Yahushua. Brothers and sisters, I pray that uh, this might have been a blessing for you. Maybe this is stuff you already knew. Maybe you're able to glean something. Either way, I pray that each week, every year, every month, that we're able to refine this walk, to learn more, how to draw near to Yah through His Son, Messiah Yahushua, to learn about intimately how our Messiah truly reconciled sins for us and um, and how we're to walk in these offerings as he walked in these offerings. So, um, blessings to you. And we should have, yeah, we'll have one more study before Pesach actually starts. So, those of you that are coming to Pesach, uh, very excited. Those of you, uh, if this is the first time you're hearing that we're having a Pesach, I apologize. We are full up. However, um, 
six months from now, we'll be doing Sukkot, so keep an eye out for registrations. I typically uh, will only talk about uh, uh, things like this, events like this in the Torah portions. That's just how I'm led to uh, put forth that information. So um, those of you that are coming to Pesach, I'm really excited to Pesach with you. Those of you that will be Pesach and elsewhere, uh, whatever day you do it, um, or night you do it, excuse me, um, may Yah just be with you, and may He bless your gathering and your feast, and enjoy the meal as we um, just love on Yah for sending us His unleavened bread, His the lamb, and uh, for bringing us out of Egypt, saving us, and we long for His return. So I pray it's a blessing for you, and uh, we'll see you next week. Blessings. And Shalom, if a Torah portion is Shemini, which would be nine chapters 9, 10, 11, I believe. So, in any case, let's pray. Heavenly Father, Yahweh Most High, we just come before you again and bless you and praise you and thank you for all that you do, Father. Thank you for sending your Son who fulfilled all these oblations, Father. And we just ask that you continue to teach us and to show us how we can spiritually walk in these oblations, Father, to offer up spiritual sacrifices, to be that holy priesthood that you always wanted us to be. Father, we just all the world continues to get crazy. We just ask that you would uh, keep us in your word, keep us dedicated and occupied in the growing in, the washing in, the growing of your word. And we pray to draw near to you every day. We pray to, to be able to bring forth the fruits that you desire, Father, uh, all done by the name and through our amazing Messiah, Yahushua HaMashiach. Father, Yahuwah, we bless you and we praise you. Amen and hallelujah. Shabbat shalom, brothers and sisters. And uh, we'll, uh, we'll, see you, we'll see you very soon now. We're going to do, uh, let's see, let's do, we're going to do a song. Do a couple songs, I guess, since we're all doing one one uh, study today. So we'll do a couple songs. Shabbat Shalom. Let's sing a little song about the two greatest commandments, loving Yahuwah and loving people. Let's start with how we love Him. You shall not have any other.
we're going to sing about loving other people. Here's how. And you shall not murder anyone, even in your heart. Love everyone, and you shall not commit adultery, even in your mind. Put that all behind, and you shall not steal anything, be satisfied. Provides and you shall not tell any lies, for he sees all who's above the skies. You shall not covet anything but keep his ways. You will lack a thing. Keeping his commandment shows you love him. Yahusha did not abolish but strengthen them. Blessed are those who keep his way They may have the right to enter through the gate I sing to Yahuwah, for he is highly exalted. The horse and its rider he has thrown into the sea. Yah is my strength and song, and he has become my deliverance. He is my El, and I praise him. Elohim of my Father And I exalt Him Yahuwah is a man of battle Yahuwah is His name He has cast Pharaoh's chariots And his army into the sea and his chosen officers are drowned in the sea of reeds. The depths covered them. They went down to the bottom like a stone. Your right hand, O Yahuwah, has become great in power. Your right hand, O Yahuwah, has crushed the enemy. And in the greatness of your excellence, you pulled down those who rose up against you. You sent forth your wrath. It consumed them like stubble. And with the wind of your nostrils, the waters were heaped up The floods stood like a wall The depths became stiff In the heart of the sea The enemy said, I pursue, I overtake I divide the spoil My being is satisfied on them 
I draw out my sword, my hand destroys them. You blew with your wind, the sea covered them. They sank like lead in the mighty waters. Who is like you? Oh, Yahuwah, among the mighty ones. Who is like you? Great in Kodesha, awesome in praises. Working wonders, you stretched out your right hand, the earth swallowed them. In your kindness, you led the people whom you have redeemed. In your strength, you guided them to your Kodesh dwelling. Peoples heard, they trembled. Anguish gripped the inhabitants of Pelasheth. Then the chiefs of Edom were troubled, the mighty men of Moab. Trembling grips them, all the inhabitants of Canaan melted. Fear and dread fell on them by the greatness of your arm. They are as silent as a stone. Until your people pass over, oh Yahuwah. Until the people whom you have bought pass over. You bring them in and plant them in the mountain of your inheritance, in the place, oh Yahuwah. Which you have made for your own dwelling, the meek dash, O Yahuwah, which your hands have prepared. Yahuwah reigns forever and ever.